You are listening to WMNF Tampa. WMNF, the best little station in the nation. Art in your ear is coming up in just, well, now, I guess. Welcome to Friday Afternoon. The lifetime, one of toil and blood. And blackness was a virtue, and the road was full of mud. I came in from the wilderness, a creature of order form. Well, come in, she said, I'll give you shelter from a storm. Oh, come in, she said, I'll give you shelter from a storm. This way again, you can rest assured I always do my best for you, on that I give my word While the steel of death and men fighting to be warm Come in, she said, I'll give you shelter from the storm Oh, come in, she said, I'll give you shelter from the storm from the storm oh come in she said i'll give you shelter from the storm oh come in yeah i will give you shelter from the storm And that's Joshua Hyslop with Bob Dylan Shelter for the Storm. We are talking a lot about uh, homelessness, houselessness, hunger. This month on WMNF is part of our mission calendar. But also, I want to let you know that support for WMNF comes from listeners like you and Ruth Eckerd Hall presenting Wilco on Thursday, April 20th. RuthEckerdHall.com has ticket information. And dear listeners, welcome to Art in Your Ear today. We're going to be talking to some of the cast members of Hamlet. Jobsite Theater has, is bringing us Hamlet. And of course, their Hamlet is amazing and uh, different from many other versions that you've thought about or heard. Before talking to them, though, I want to, I don't know if you noticed... 
but Tropical Heat Wave is back. Tropical Heat Wave is back. Woo, 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 woo. Tropical Heat Wave is back. It's May 6th at the Cuban Club. You can go online to WMNF.org and read more about it. Tickets go on sale on February 1st, I believe. I think they're $40 excuse me, in advance. One of the super exciting things about Tropical Heat Wave is that Magadog is, where's a, it's a reunion. Magadog is reuniting for Tropical Heat Wave. And so I've got a Magadog song coming up. I cannot tell you how thrilled I am about that. There's lots of other really good stuff, but woo! Uh, so I want to let you know about that. Also, I want to let you know that uh, there's been a lot of news in the arts lately, and you can always go to Art in Your Ear on Facebook. It's um, Art in Your Ear, WMNF, if you search that on Facebook and see kind of arts news in the general area. One of the exciting things is the Florida Museum of Photographic Arts is moving to Ebor. They're going to be in the same building, the Crest Building, that Tempest Projects and the Micro Cinema and Quaid and all those art spaces are. So that is so nice to have this major arts moving back to Ebor. That's so great. Also... Speaking of great things, Stageworks, uh, a company, uh, organization, bought Stageworks Theater for it and donated it. So Stageworks has a permanent home. And uh, congratulations to Carla Hartley and everyone there. That is just so wonderful. I'm so happy for them about that. And I've got more stuff uh, to talk about later, but I do want to let you know. did want to let you know about that. If you want to get in touch with us, you can always text us at 813 813- Four three three zero eight eight five. Send us an email, dj at wmnf.org. And if you want to get in touch with me, uh, my email is joellen, it's J-O-E-L-L-E-N, joellen at wmnf.org. If you, there's an event going on or uh, this one lovely man is sending me his poetry and writing, it's really great. So yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, all right, so what else? Ah, we're just going to listen to some music and then we'll be back with Jobsite Theater's cast for Hamlet and let you know all sorts of things going on in this beautiful world that we live in. I hope you are taking good care of yourselves. I do want to mention that coming up this Sunday, let me get to this thing. Uh, this Sunday there is, it's not its not an art thing, but it's, it's a huge thing. Bigger than Roe, St. Pete, there's the annual abortion rights visibility event. And that looks like it is going to be uh, on Central Avenue and uh, 3rd Street in that area. So probably in the park, I would think, over there. Uh, so I'm going to post that up so people can see if you are concerned about what is going on in our country and in our state when it comes to human rights. I hope you will uh, support or at least look up some information. All right, here's Maggie Dog.
so, so, so excited to have Magatog at Tropical Heat Wave. But you know, you know what else is really exciting? Having, having part of the cast, it's a big cast, part of the cast of Hamlet here to talk about it. Now, Macbeth, of course, has all sorts of uh, you know, myths and legends and you know, superstitions and stuff. Are there Hamlet superstitions? Mm. No, I don't. I, I, no, not, not that yeah. I know of. No, it's yeah. it's more a play of quotes. Okay. Yes. Sure. All right. Well, then I'm not gonna. I don't want to like step on any toes <laughs> with any superstitions. So I want to introduce my guests in the studio: is Jim Wicker, Giles Davies, and Nicole Janine Smith, all friends of Art Year. Oh, I'm so happy to welcome back. So, Jim, I'm going to start with you. Will you uh, tell the listeners who you're playing? Mm-hmm. A kind of we're going to, Hamlet is sort of the center of this universe. So who, what's his relationship to Hamlet? Uh, I am the advisor to the king and the king is Hamlet's uncle. And the old king who just died uh, and comes back as a ghost, I was his advisor also. So I'm, I'm loyal to the crown and I'm always trying to uh, keep order in the kingdom. So, okay. So you're not Mark Meadows. You're hopefully... No, what no. What is the lawyer's uh, name? <laughs> no, I, I, I'm a much more benign character, okay. I believe. I'm also the father of Ophelia and Laertes, That's who are also very important That's also a very important point. And Nicole, who are you playing? So I'm Gildenstern, which is a pairing of Rosencrantz and Gildenstern, and we're longtime old school mates of Hamlet, and the king, the new king, um, uh, Hamlet's uncle, has brought us in to try to figure Figure out what's going on with Hamlet and why he's, you know, why like he's having just a, not being normal. He's just not his, himself. He's so. having a moment. Yeah. And so, <laughs> Giles, will you talk for a moment about your Hamlet? Yeah. Um, I'm a little older than uh, most Hamlets. Um, so, uh, I, I think it ages uh, the cast. Um, and our approach is... Uh, from a different perspective in that he's, um, I think the lack of advancement, because uh, he was next in line for the throne, but just happened, didn't happen to be around at the right time. Uh, so he's a little more pissed off about that. Um, and he is, you know, uh, a, a lifelong habitual student, uh, there being not that much to do, c- considering his job, which would be king, uh, it, is yet to be available to him. So he's just filled himself with uh, education, focusing mainly on philosophy, um, uh, which you know underpins a lot of his uh, soliloquies. I, uh, and the and, depth of his thought. And it was funny because there are so many, there's so much to talk about with the words in this show, but I was thinking about that it is that, that your Hamlet and uh, Ophelia, they're all, they're not... The kids. I mean, I've seen this play when when they were performed by nineteen and eighteen and nineteen year olds, mm-hmm. and now seeing this, and I was kind of wondering who your Hamlet was before his father's death, mm-hmm. and because we see him only in the play after his father's death, so he always already has grief and anger and this thwarted ambition. Mm-hmm. But was he? Is he just more of what he was before, or has it moved who he was into someone? Who's a little bit? Yeah, you know, I think he was, you know, a lot more fun-loving. Um, you know, lived a life of privilege, uh, enjoyed it. Um, I think he, he really uh, gets turned on by um, thought and, and philosophical theory, 
Um, but he was also a bit of a player and certainly enjoyed his, uh, his time. Right. Um, life of privilege, if you will. Right. Um, so do you, because we have uh, in front of us as just in pop culture, we have all this drama going on in England with a prince, with the princes. There was mm, Prince Charles, mm. who's now King Charles. But for, I mean, his mom was, was queen for 75 something years, 70 right. something Similar years. situation, yeah. Right, so he just looked at, he just looked at the throne as he went from being a young man to a middle-aged man to an older man. And then you have the two sons who are princes and privileged and they have their battles and their thwarted ambitions and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So it's just so funny that this is a play that was written 420 years ago. And oh, guess what? It's still relevant today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't. I, I don't think Hamlet was anywhere near as stodgy as uh, Charles has been. His uh, perhaps a little more like his son. Right. <laughs> so, uh, dear listeners, we're speaking with some of the cast members from Hamlet. That's at Job Site Theater. It plays at Job Site for uh, and through. Oh, I just moved it until the uh, February 5th. So there's a little time to go see it. Uh, one of the interesting things about Shakespeare, and one of my favorite things about Job Site, is that you all, uh, you all don't treat things, you, you honor things, but you don't treat them as sacred things. Mm-hmm. And so this version of Hamlet has some differences in it. One, it's not like 170 hours long. Right, exactly. <laughs> right, right. Um, but also, it's it's set, it sounds like it's sort of set in a time period that you can't really put your finger on. Mm. Uh, and so does that also, before we start talking, really getting into the characters and the relationship, does changing the time period that it's in and what you wear and that exterior part of it, does that change things inside or the interactions with the... Uh, the characters or the how choices you, you make yeah. the choices you make mm-hmm. right I want I was so interested in that so how does that like because all three of you have these these roles that could be very you know the same as everybody has done them and there's nothing wrong with that but how kind of how have they been shifted with this sort of modernistic I don't even know what to call it mm-hmm. <laughs> type type thing I really am interested yeah. how that did so Giles I'm going to start with you since you're on the stage most out of everybody and then bring uh, Nicole and Jim into that. Yeah, as dear and as precious as the language is, um, because, I mean, that's the reason we're doing Shakespeare is the language. It's the beauty and the poetry of the ideas and how he um, combines all those elements into something that's really powerfully dramatic. Uh, But it's not um, precious. We're not doing a historical piece. We really want to do something that is captivating uh, to a modern audience. That is our first job. Um, so anything that we can lessen the, uh, uh, the distancing uh, from the audience to what they're, they're watching, the better. Um, so we do try to modernize it. Um, you know, Shakespeare in his day, if he was doing Julius Caesar, all his actors weren't running around in togas. <laughs> they were wearing the costumes of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do the same things, the same approach. Uh, and whereas a, an audience of his time period, they didn't have much to do, so they could spend their full afternoon watching a, a, a piece of theater. Uh, and Shakespeare knew that not everybody is going to be there the whole time. They might go out and get a beer or something, mm-hmm. and then they come back. So he builds in a lot of repetition for over the five hours or so of, mm-hmm. of what the play would take. Um, so we trim away a lot of that fat. Uh, and really just kind of streamline it for a, a modern audience to maintain their 
their level of interest. Um, and it, it goes like the clappers because of that. You know, it's, it's really a very driven drama uh, that just focuses around the one central plot. But as an actor in that world, um, I can start making more modern uh, colloquial choices where if it were set in uh, an older time period, I just I, I wouldn't be free to make those choices. Mm-hmm. Now, we are limited to a certain extent because there is swordplay. And not that we don't still have swordplay, but it's... Uh, it, it's, uh, it's more different. play now. Exactly. It's not, um, now they use guns. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And although there is, you know, a lot of talk of people walking around with swords and those sorts of things, we lost a lot of that. Um, but luckily in Hamlet, the... Um, the combat that does happen is actually sword play. Mm. It's set up like a game. You know, the, um, the king has laid a, a wager on who will win. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's set up like it, it is a competition. It is a sport event. Now, so bringing in Nicole and Jim, Jim, your character, say his name again because I said it wrong Polonius. before. Polonius, thank you. <laughs> so your character is older, wiser, a little schemy on some things. He's a kind of a busybody. He wants he gets his nose and everything. <laughs> it, it, and it's his job. It's his job to have his to nose and everything. To find out what's going on in the kingdom so he can advise the king to keep a lid on things. And my main job at the moment is to try to help figure out what's going on with Hamlet. And um, so I have a lot of I have several scenes with Hamlet in which I'm trying to figure out what's going on and. I don't get very far with it. Well, and, and hang on to that thought, because I just want to bring in Gilderson for a second, but I do sure. want to talk about that, because that's it, that's so important to the whole the <clears> mechanisms <throat> of the play is a lot of stuff what, what you guys do. And, but you're, so you're on the opposite end. You're, you're a friend. You're mm-hmm. a buddy. You're like, let's hang out. Let's go get a drink. Let's, mm-hmm. let's this. And then things sometimes go a little bit wrong. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, just kind of jump off of what Giles was saying, like, you know, with our costumes and stuff, you know, we're, we've got this universal thing going on to, you know, and then in adding, you know, colloquialisms and things like that and movements and gestures. So we, right off the bat, when you see Hamlet and Ro- Rosencrantz and Guildenstern together, you can see, you know, they do a little foot tap thing and they're playing with each other. They're doing a thumb war, um, which are all things you wouldn't necessarily do if right. it was a period and, piece. And it humanizes or, or makes, you know, it's not like it this guy is not. And you, yeah. have a, you have a chance to see who he used to be. Right. Right, yeah. and so you're that portal. So, yeah. so you're the portal, sort of, to what the normal past was. Mm-hmm. And then, Jim, you're the you're sort of the portal to like what is the future going to be? Like you're, yes. you know, and everything's passing through Hamlet. Like he's the crux of the play. Uh, I saw a piece of art years ago, uh, and it was someone had did a diagram of of Hamlet and and had Hamlet in the middle, and it was just a beautiful piece of art because it showed all the relationships between everyone. It was it was amazing. Mm-hmm. So everybody's in this play. One of the things that that I need to explain. So, it, what was it not? Uh, it's not obvious that the king was murdered at first, or is it pretty obvious? Like, and they just don't know to do it. So it's not. No, the story is that uh, he was sleeping in the in the garden uh, and was bitten by a snake. Oh, um, wow! That's what everybody. I've heard in that story being bitten by a snake somewhere. Hmm. <laughs> um, and then, but so then, but then, you know, the brother jumps in and marries the queen and shoves Hamlet out of the way. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm kind of wondering, like, how, you know, the support of the advisor and the support of the friends 
you know, go to Hamlet, like, oh, buddy, man, this, this is terrible. And then how that changes and how it morphs as, as Hamlet at least becomes more aware that this was not a snake biting my dad. And this was, this was purposeful to cut me off from my, my power and my authority. So I want to sort of talk about that, those relationships that you guys had to build within the show with each other. Trust, if you guys trust each other, if you don't trust each other, if Hamlet trusts himself, will you guys talk a little bit about trust and how as actors and performers in these roles and how your characters had to build trust with each other? Yeah, uh, Polonius, uh, I'm playing Polonius as completely ignorant of the murder. And his loyalty is to the crown. And this is the new king, and as long as he's the king, I'm, I'm doing his bidding. I'm supporting him. My relationship with Hamlet is not only a political one, trying to figure out for the king why what's wrong with him, but it's also personal because my daughter is in love with him. And I'm afraid for my daughter, first of all, because he has been a player. Mm. <laughs> and... Uh, Giles. Also, he's also he's he's a <laughs> prince. He's a prince, and you know, we, even though I'm I'm fairly high up in the government, we're a different class. We're not royalty, mm -hmm. and so I'm afraid that he's taking advantage of her. Then I believe he is in love with her, and that's what's wrong with him. I've I've told you stay away from him, <laughs> and maybe that's driven him mad. So throughout the play, I'm trying to figure out what's going on with Hamlet, and I become more and more angry at at Hamlet because mm -hmm. of his behavior. And one of the advantages to a, being a more modern take on it is that my Polonius is a lot cheekier mm -hmm. toward Hamlet than in a traditional um, production. Uh, also, uh, Polonius is often played strictly for comedy. And uh, David Jenkins, the director, and I both didn't want to go in that direction. He's... Uh, Polonius obviously loves his children. When his son leaves the nest, he's very affected by that. He's very worried about his daughter. And he's really trying to do his best to do his job right. He does love the sound of his own voice. <laughs> that's, that's his main flaw, I think. A lot of Shakespeare characters do. Yes. And Rosencrantz and Guildenstern can also just be comedic, you right. know, but we are trying to build in the heart in this show and, you know, to really grab the audience. Um, so, yeah, for, as far as Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, they show how Hamlet used to be um, and... Uh, and we just care about him. We don't know about this murder mm -hmm. business. Um, and so we're just kind of there watching his slow, like, descent and just being shocked by and, it until we can't take it And they're it used as pawns. We're complete by pawns, others. Yeah. And that is, and that's kind of tragic, you know, that, that's tra tragic. Because this mm -hmm. was called the tragedy of Hamlet. And there's so many, it's not just his tragedy, there's just a ongoing series of tragedies over and over and over, mm -hmm. and, and it just doesn't stop with it. So going, and, and dear listeners, you might guess we're talking about Hamlet up at Job Site Theater right now. So, um, Giles, your Hamlet, let's talk a little bit about your Hamlet. First, and just when we were starting, you talked about the words, the quotes, the words in it. Uh, you know, I would imagine as an actor, some of the most famous words written in the English language are in this play. Uh, and, you know, what a piece of work is man is something that every time my brother or I did something wrong, you could hear my mother muttering it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh. It's not fair to punish you with Shakespeare. <laughs> oh, no, no, we weren't. No, that was 
wasn't the punishment. It, we knew something was coming. No, she was just buying herself time before uh, she figured out what the punishment was. But I just remember being little and finally understanding um, what that was. And so, talk a little bit about this language. You're a Shakespeare, you know, you do Shakespeare a lot. You teach people how to do Shakespeare. You teach people how to sword fight. So now you've got the like the Shakespeare role. With some sword fights. Mm. Will you talk a little bit about the words and making those words your words, like your out of your mouth, not just yeah. That words? was probably the uh, the biggest hurdle with this particular role um, is to, to find a way to uh, attach Hamlet's soul to words and phrases that were so familiar. Um, you know, I mean, in today's world, we're quoting Hamlet. Uh, all the time, uh, most of the time, we don't even realize. Um, they, they're just, you know, such familiar phrases, you know, to thine own self be true. Um, the, the, the play is just rife with them. Um, so it's... That's my line, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's got it. Um, so, yeah, to, to, to find a way, especially just in the moment, so that uh, my my brain is right in line with uh, the character's thoughts so that they come from a very sincere place before I even start. Uh, I, I do find that if I haven't given myself uh, that restriction, oftentimes I'm saying the line without even thinking about what I'm saying because I know the words so well. Um, so I really have to just revisit before the, uh, the vocalization process, you know, touch base with the, you know, the, the character's soul and attach thought to it, and then, you know, it'll come out in a very sincere way. Because you don't want muscle memory to be reciting this. No one wants right, muscle it, memory it, it, to it be doing It is not about recitation. You right. Know, it, right. It, it's about a soul speaking, uh, and a soul speaking in a poetic way. So when you were sort of finding that, and you were finding, you know, of course, to be or not to be is the most, you know, is just known, this monster, I would think, a beast of being able to go in and have one of the most famous monologues in history and make it seem like this is the first time you're hearing these words. This is the first time you're saying these words. Mm -hmm. Or maybe, I don't know, mm -hmm. maybe Hamlet had said those words before and mm -hmm. then we're just seeing it for the first time. Like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. And so that's what, can you no, talk me, a little bit I, about I, that? I, you know, I come on stage right before I begin that uh, soliloquy. Um, so, you know, as an actor, typically right before you go on, you're going to, you know, make sure, okay, what, what's my line? I know where I am. Um, but I found I, I did not want to say the line or go over the line. I know the line. I can trust I know the line. I need to live in the thing that motivates the line. Uh, if I just say the line in my head, I'm going to come on stage and I'm just going to be reciting it. I've got to put myself in the headspace of the character. And then suddenly he notices his best friend, i.e. the audience, is here. I just happen to have come across them, at which point I'm going to share this idea that I'm having with you. So as, that, as he's done with other philosophical discussions. Uh, yeah, yeah, as he does. So, you know, the last thing I want to do is, you know, be backstage thinking, okay, to be or not to be, to be or not to be, right. how am I going to say to be or not to be? Right, no. right. you can't, I, all I'm the thinking, weight that could be hanging off those, you know, a short phrase can have be let it down. So yeah. this way, if it just comes in your head and says it. Right, right. If, if I do what it is that I'm thinking to do, I don't think I'm going to survive it. That's the thought that's going through mm -hmm. my head. Right. Um, and then he picks words to describe 
what it is that's going on, you know, in his soul and in his in his brain. And he's going to share this with the audience to see if by sharing it, he can work it out. Mm -hmm. And through the process of the soliloquy, he does indeed work it out and realizes that is far too daunting to me. I'm not even going to think about <laughs> <Right>. it. <laughs> mm -hmm. But that is, I think, one of the uh, one of the pleasures of Hamlet and one of the reasons why it I mean, it, it's great unto itself, but as it's moved through these centuries, four centuries of being performed, I don't know if I did my math right, um, but you <laughs> know, these, these centuries of being performed, it has, it, it talks about introspection and it, it's a play that gives us insight into someone's thought process yeah. and, and continually gives us their thoughts and continually, and not just Hamlet's thoughts, but I think Ophelia's thoughts and, you know, all these other people, but more than any other play, it, it talks about like self-doubt and self-questioning and yeah, why am and I doing oftentimes, this? Oftentimes, mm -hmm. you know, that's the, the criticism of Hamlet <clears throat> is that, you know, he, he, he's a character of inaction. Uh, and I don't think it's, the emphasis is on his inaction. The emphasis is on his uh, thought process towards action. Mm-hmm. Right, um, that it's not just I'm gonna I'm gonna blindly stumble into something. Exactly, exactly I'm gonna think you know, about this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and is the that available to it. is that like? Do you all feel like your characters are smart? Are they are they pretty? I mean, because that's the thing that walks away, and that's what I think I walk away with the Hamlet that you're talking about. And you're like, this is a this guy's really smart. Mm for better or worse, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like that. Uh, so, I mean, do you feel, is that part, I mean, you're in the court, that has to be, to survive in a court, you have to be pretty smart, I would imagine, or at least wily. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is the first time Rosencrantz and Guildenstern have been to court, I decided. Oh, okay. Um, and I like that. We are smart. We're, you know, we're, we're like basically like homeschooled kids, right? Um, we've been very kind of sheltered and we're probably just going to continue on after schooling te to be teachers. Right. And just like living that life. Um, we show up in like our school uniforms, kind of that's what dressing up for us is. Um, we're smart, but we're not as smart as Hamlet is. We don't have that life experience and we're just in awe of his musing, mm -hmm. you know, and his philosophical mind. Um, so yeah, we're smart, but we are, you know, we're just, you know, stuck in this wave that we can't, you know, swim right. out of. Right. That, that you're, you're out of your league a little mm -hmm. bit here. Um, I wanted to ask you, uh, you had said something before we were on the air and I wanted to see if there was a short scene or something that we can do to give uh, listeners sort of a taste of what they might come, might get when they come to see Hamlet at uh, Job Site Theater at the Straz. Uh, is there, does this need a setup or do we have to talk a about A little this? bit. Okay. Um, I've just uh, told the king and queen that I think I know what's wrong with Hamlet. He's in love with my daughter and I have cut her off from him and it's driven him mad. So I've just told them that Hamlet is approaching and I tell them, look, you guys get out of here. I'm going to talk to Hamlet and get him to, I'm going to find out for sure. I'm going to get him to admit that that's what the problem is. And as far as Hamlet is concerned, he has just um, had his uh, talk with the ghost, his dad. So he's recently just found out about the murder. Uh, and he's desperately trying to find a way to cover up the information. Now that he's got this information and he's highly agitated about it, he's got to have an excuse so that people don't, uh, uh, keep questioning him about it. So he decides uh, he's going to play a little crazy to, to cover up um, the agitation that he's feeling and give him um, 
you know, throw a red herring while he tries to figure out, you know, was the ghost really his dad? Is it hell? This sounds like Tarantino. To, yeah. <laughs> is it hell trying to, you know, uh, tempt him into doing something evil? Or is it really his dad uh, telling him, you know, to save the state? Right. How does my good Lord Hamlet? Well, God of mercy. Uh, do you know me, my lord? Excellent, well. You are a fishmonger. Not I, my lord. Oh, then I would you were so honest a man. Honest, my lord? Aye, sir. To be honest, as this world goes, is to be one man picked out of ten thousand. That's very true, my lord. For if the sun breed maggots and a dead dog, being a good kissing carrion, have you a daughter? I have, my lord. Uh, let her not walk in the sun. Conception is a blessing, but as your daughter may conceive, friend, look to it. Uh, what do you read, my lord? Words, words. Uh, what, is words. The, what is the matter, my lord? Between who? I mean the matter that you read, my lord. Oh, slander, sir. For the satirical rogue says here that old men have gray beards that their faces are wrinkled, and that they have a plentiful lack of wit, together with most weak hams, all which, sir, though I most powerfully and potently believe, yet I hold it not honesty to have it thus set down. For yourself, sir, shall grow old as I am, if, like a crab, you could go backward. Though this be madness, yet there's method in it. Will you walk out of the air, my lord? Into my grave? Indeed, that's out of the air. My lord... I will take my leave of you. Oh, you cannot, sir, take from me anything that I will more willingly part with all. Except my life. Except my life. Except my life. Uh, fare you well, my lord. Hey, these tedious old fools. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yay. So in doing that, so you have... Um, so Hamlet is... You know, he is trying to be seen as crazy. Mm. Is he also a little bit crazy? I, I, not in the medical sense, I would not say. Right. Although I, I'm tempted to say that as the play progresses, he does begin to lose a little bit, particularly when he sees the ghost the second time. Um, I'm not sold on that ghost being the ghost. Right. Right. Because whenever the ghost appears, everybody sees the ghost. Right. And that's crucial to Hamlet. Right. Because uh, he's not the first one to see it. His friends come to him and say, hey, hey, hey I'm seeing this thing. Right, we saw and this guy. And he says, I got to go talk to this guy. Right. Um, and they also hear the ghost. Now, when the ghost appears, quote, unquote, the second time, when he's talking to mom, mom doesn't see the ghost. She can't hear the ghost. Right. Uh, so I think at that point, he's gotten so driven and he's really starting to, to lose it that uh, his emotional state has caused him to go slightly off, off, off the deep end. My first career, one of my first careers, <laughs> I was a grief therapist. Mm. Uh. And, uh, and it was really interesting at this base. And mainly I dealt with suicide and murder, sudden death, grief. And I went, remember going to a conference and there was a whole 
whole uh, section of this of, at this grief conference about Hamlet and the many ways it shows grief mm. that are eternal, that mm. people grieve to this day. Right, right. You know, it, it that, makes, you know, it's another one of those universal themes that people can just really latch onto and understand, you know, mm. uh, particularly if you've gone through it yourself. And betrayal. You know, there's the grief, there's the betrayal that Hamlet feels that his mother has betrayed him as as well as mm. his father, you know, or his, his uncle and stuff like that. Uh, in doing that scene and scenes like that, uh, you looked very serious, Jim, when you were doing it. There's a little sparkle in your eye, mm-hmm. you know, Giles, when, Giles, when you're doing it. So, uh-huh. uh, so it seems is that is that the um, the Hamlet who always was kind of likes messing around with people. Or, yeah, yeah. <laughs> as dark as he is now that he's got a cover, uh, it, it gives him the freedom to really play inside words. And although. You know, he's, he's playing the madness. Inside that madness, there is always the witty repartee, and he's able to throw daggers and get hits with the cover of madness around it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's just that smart that he right. can do it on, 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 on a, you know, at, at a flip. And he's got a line, you know, my uncle, father, and aunt, mother are deceived. I am but <laughs> mad north, northwest when the wind is southerly. I know a hawk from a handsaw. Uh, right. And you're kind of like, what does that mean? And you think about it, you're like, oh, you know what? I think I do kind of. Like you sort uh-huh. of can walk his pathways. Uh, so the the cast in Hamlet, of course, is much larger than the three of you. There's 11. There's 11. Yes. A couple of different roles. Some people take on a few different roles. But overall, it seems like it was easier to maybe lose some some the very minor characters. Is, yes. Right. Yes. Uh, because in a lot of times with Shakespeare, when someone comes and has dual roles, it can be confusing to the audience. And that's one of the things that, I, again, props to job site theater uh, because... Uh, you know, because it's not, it's, you've been very good with your Shakespeare about making it clear to people, like, follow this line, follow these thoughts, follow, here's your pathways, they're brightly lit, you know, follow them and do that. Uh, It's really important as well because we've got students coming in, we're doing, we do matinees, you know, Um, so that's a really Yeah, a a lot of that is handled with costuming. Uh, Mm -hmm. Rosencrantz and Guildenstern and Laertes are also the players in the play within the play, and they're masked. And I make an entrance in the funeral as a, as a priest, and I'm wearing a hood right. covering my face. So it, the Katrina Stevenson did the costumes, and she planned this out very, very carefully. So uh, can I ask you, so when you do, um, because I think you already had a performance, a school performance, right? Yes. So when you have, you know, a lot of times adults coming to Shakespeare, they're paying, you know, money to go see Shakespeare. There's some familiarity or openness and stuff like that. You've got kids coming in school, and they're kind of like, I don't know about this. Uh, that energy that's coming off the audience when you have, I don't know how many kids that would be, but 90 or, you know. No, hundreds. Uh, hundreds, yeah. <laughs> hundreds of yeah. students in there. Uh, how does that, how does that then, how does it work when you have an audience of that energy and that nature, like as being on stage? Is that something it's that... It's terrific. <laughs> it's just wonderful. You get so much from those audiences and one particular audience really, really identified with Ophelia. You know the whole breakup thing, mm-hmm. and they were give, they gave us a lot back. I love I love the school audiences. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's very alive, you know. F- f- and you know, from that first moment before the first word is spoken, uh, 
you could just feel a, a different vibe. It is a unique um, energy from the audience as opposed to an adult audience, you know, mm -hmm. for the evening performances. That Those school matinees, they do have a different vibe. Um, and depending upon the school, the vibe itself can be different. Mm -hmm. But it is energetic. Um, and, uh, you know, within the first five minutes, you can say, okay, so are you prepared to sit back and simply let me entertain you? Or are you leaning forward and trying to engage with the material? You know, are you excited about it? Uh, and it, it can go both ways. Mm -hmm. It really can. Can you, as performers, hook? Like, do you throw out your performance, like, hooks to bring them in? Like, okay, they're kind of watching, and I know if I do this and just energistically i mean because i feel like i've seen that happen as an audience member on stage i'm not a performer uh so i don't know but you can be like ah, i just picture you sort of like all right now i have you that, those are the luxuries of the uh the soliloquies um mm -hmm. you know and the, uh, the privilege of playing hamlet is that it, it is about that direct communion and really it's the beauty of um the shakespearean style uh that is relatively unique to that Elizabethan period where uh, the actors on stage, uh, the characters on stage um, know that they're being watched, mm -hmm. that the audience is present in their drama. You know, when they talk about postmodern writing, I'm like, how is it postmodern? Shakespeare was as aware of the audience right. as, as right. anyone was, these days. You know, the, right. the, as unique as Ferris Bueller's Day Off was when it came through, <laughs> really, he, they just grabbed onto that old Shakespearean style of having the character reach through the mm -hmm. camera to talk directly to the person that was watching them. Right. I did a production of Hamlet once that eliminated the character of Horatio. Mm -hmm. And in that production, Hamlet's only friend was the audience. Oh, mm. that's hard. Right, and that tells you something. So, and then, uh, oh, shoot. See, that's what I get for listening to you guys. Then, <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm sorry. My, no, no, Cut it's good. Out. <laughs> I forgot my next line. But I was talking, oh, and do you have a favorite, like, was there a, a soliloquy that you just, you know, like, that is your favorite or that you just was like, ah, oh, I love that I get to do this? Mm. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, uh, yeah, I would say all of them. Um, do you have a favorite? Oh, we. Yeah. <laughs> I I love to be or not to right. be. Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. There's so many directions that it can go. Mm. There's so many. It could be angry. It could be thoughtful. It could mm. be resignation. It could be truly curious. You know, mm -hmm. it, it, there's so many to go. And you were talking about every night not wanting to think about it because you want it. You want it to uh, to to grow organically while you're on stage. Mm. So is that presentation of it, does it change when you do it then? Like are some nights the emotion of it feels differently? Without a doubt, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, because of that. I mean, it, it, it's always got the same floor pattern for me, the same realizations, but how I make those realizations and how those realizations change me uh, does change. Mm -hmm. night to night. I wish I was an actor. And I think I did <laughs> something unique to me. I had never, having never played the role or studied the speech, uh, I thought I knew what it was about. I thought it was him deciding and grappling with suicide. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's suicide, although it goes, uh, it goes there and he talks about suicide. I don't think he's grappling with suicide. I think he's grappling with the ramifications of if... I do accept uh, this job that this ghost has given me. 
it's going to kill me. Mm -hmm. I can't go and kill a king and expect to survive it. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that's where the speech starts. When the, um, the war in the Ukraine-Russian war started, there was, uh, you know, so many... Uh, I watch a lot of TikToks. So there was this one Ukrainian woman that was just posting TikToks of the people she knew, men and women, going off to fight. And like three or four of them, maybe because they didn't speak a lot of English, but they all knew, but they'd be like, to be or not to be. Mm -hmm. And they were going down there. And that's just what made you think of. Like they weren't wow. going to go die. That's right. not their purpose. That's not their purpose. But, but that may well right. be wow. the end right. result. Yeah. That's amazing. I know. I know. Yeah. It was just wow. kind of watching it. I think it was one of the earliest things that made me just sort of realize the depths of what was going on in, the, mm. in that And country. really, that just points to the universality of the play. <laughs> I know. You yes. know the fact that, you know, in, even in Ukraine, yeah. right. even in China, yeah. e you know, around the world, they know this play because yeah. it's just so universal and the language is just so beautiful. So beautiful, so beautiful. Well, we are, I took up way too much of your time and I'm so <laughs> grateful that you gave it to me. So Hamlet is at... The uh, Job Site Theater performances are at the Strauss. It goes through fe uh, February 5th, and you can go online to get more information at Job Site Theater, spelled T-E-R, jobsitetheater.org. What you guys got coming up next? What's up in life? Do you have anything that you want to talk I'm about? I'm starting rehearsals today, actually, for In McClintock's Corn at Power Stories Theater, oh, um, nice. directed by Amy Salee. Excellent. Uh, I'm unemployed. <laughs> <laughs> Someone get the man a job. Be a job. <laughs> I hope that I hope that you get to rest and then get lots of jobs. Yeah, thank you. Jim? I just did an audition for a few good men, and I'm waiting to hear ooh, if I got it. Ooh, <laughs> very exciting! And then coming up next at Jobsite Theater, Misery. Uh, it's by William Goldman. It's adapted from, of course, Stephen King's novel. Paul Potenza, who's I think coming on in next week or the week after it will be uh, directing that and that starts March 17th um, thank you all so much for coming in I'm so Great excited to see you. thanks for here. having us it was wonderful so, I have all these different songs that I thought were appropriate um, Hamlet songs and even though this may not be the right one I'm going to play it anyway here's a little bit of Amy Winehouse you know hey. I'm no good <laughs>
WMNF and Living Mirror Playback Theater will host a monthly community talkback and improv show live here in the WMNF studios, 7 p.m. on the fourth Friday of every month. The event will be based on our monthly mission calendar, covering topics such as economic justice, environmental issues, and more. We invite community activists and interested listeners to come and share their thoughts and experiences. Then Living Mirror will play back those stories using improv techniques. It'll be a compelling evening of community sharing and improv theater, but space in our studio is limited. So go online to wmf.org backslash events to reserve your seat. Another great event by WMNF. Hey, we are almost out of here. I am so excited to see Nancy C. in the studio next to me, getting ready to do ultrasounds. It's going to be a beautiful, beautiful show on that. And I was going to say, usually it's Global Electronica. I'm not sure exactly. Yep, it's that's what she's doing. After that, I am so excited. We're going to be hearing him, too, in just a minute on a Live Music Showcase today. The wonderful Dean Johannesson is going to be playing. And he, well, I'm going to play a song. You get to hear just exactly what he sounds like. It's just a, a wonderful, um, enjoyable guitar and sort of old-fashioned, but not music. Uh, After that, of course, is the Rhythm Revival, which is a deep dive into the history of rock and roll, uh, all sorts of music. You never know what you're going to hear on that show. And then we get into our evening with the Soul Party. Uh, The Soul Party is classic R&B and soul from Steve the Hitman, followed by the Soul Kitchen, a wonderful, tasty smorgasbord of rhythm-based music with... uh, with your chef, Eddie G, and uh, White Pepper, Dave. And then we end our night with Flashback Friday, Florida-based R&B, Florida-based soul. So stick with us here on WMNF Tampa, WMNF 88.5 FM. You've been listening to Art in Your Ear. My name is Joellen Chilke. I love you so much for being out there. If you go to Art in Your Ear on WMNF, you can see all of the scheduled shows coming up. And you can also donate if you would like for the next fun drive. Bye now. NPR News is up next, and then Ultrasounds. Old Camel got the jake from the walkers he did take. Tried our best to keep it down low. Rumors are disease, and they spread with careless ease. Bringing certain someones in the door. Red eye, red light, good night. Shocking truth, or is it used to prove a petty point? What was it he did say about nonviolence in his day? Let it be shown that actions pulse more true than words. Have you heard? Red eye, red light.